to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Slightly Better Relationships Week 4. Week 4 today is a three-part message. Three different speakers and it will get incrementally better. Each one, I'm kicking off, and, and so you can call me Jace, feel the verbal embrace, Schroeder. And I will be followed by Tom the Truth Bomb Hawks. He actually asked if he could be called that. Uh, no, he didn't. And then, bringing it home, we have Karen. I preach so hot, I need to be super cooled, gooled. <sighs> so, it, it is true, God wants His love alive more and more inside of each and every one of us. And that has to shape every part of who we are, what happens in us, what flows through us and God's love in us empowers us to step into slightly better relationships across all facets of the relational scheme of, of what life is, home, church, workplace, school, the world at large, etc. Lord, we need your love alive more and more in us. And so come and do your freeing, liberating, empowering work in your people today for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm kicking us off with two postures for slightly better relationships, two postures. And we are smushing together five verses from the passage that Dylan read for us. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Verse 17, don't repay evil for evil. Verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Posture number one, handle opinions with care. Posture number one, handle opinions with care. And so I want to remind us again today that our opinions are subjective, they're incomplete, and they are limited. It's helpful to be reminded, and I think our world needs to be reminded regularly, that our opinions are subjective, our opinions are biased, and they're according to our experiences, our personality, our, our passions and certain motivations, our opinions are also incomplete, that they're informed by how much we know or how much we understand. And our opinions have limited influence according to the authority given to us in any given scenario or setting. Our opinions are subjective, incomplete and limited. So important for us when we are giving our opinion, when an opinion is leaving your mouth, when it's leaving our mouth, it's important that our opinion is saturated with humility with humility, because we're, we're aware that as it is leaving our mouth, that our opinion is subjective, it's incomplete, and it's limited, that we have the right to our opinion, 
but it doesn't make it right. So a helpful hint in all forms of relationships is to use I-based statements when we are having a conversation as opposed to you-based statements with the sound of blame or an accusatory tone. Let's avoid that if we want to build slightly better relationships. So instead of why the heck would you X, Y, Z, whatever is coming after that, we could try, hey, I'm a little unsure about X, Y, Z. Can you help me understand? Going to end up with a much better outcome instead of, I seriously cannot believe that you didn't. How about we try, hey, can we get on the same page here? I'm not sure we both have the same expectations. For us receiving someone's opinion, when their opinion is coming at you, then a helpful frame for us, a helpful posture is curiosity. When someone's opinion comes to us, a helpful frame is curiosity. Their opinion may or may not be true because their opinion is subjective, incomplete, and has limited influence according to exactly the scenario that is going on here. And so we can, if we're curious, we can, even if it's something coming at us that is really negative, then if we're curious, we can be like, hmm, I wonder the motivation that they're speaking from here. And, and so how much should I take this on? Is there a kernel of truth in what's being said here? Is this coming from a place of deep hurt? Is this their brokenness speaking, not the truth. And so a curious frame helps us sift through and then determine what we're going to take on and what we're not. Because if we operate in that framework, then it's much easier for us to not be offended by what, they, by what they're saying. Because if we're curious, we can see maybe even what's beneath the surface. And this is just a hurt person speaking hurtful words. And it's not actually about me, so... We can let it go. So honour one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. And as we're turboing through today, let's hit posture number two. Posture number two. When hurt in relationships, walk forward as far as you can. When hurt in relationships... Walk forward as far as you can. And so we're combining here, bless those who persecute you. Don't repay evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. And so here we can see three steps marked out for us. The first step is forgiveness. The second is reconciliation. The third is trust. And so our mission is to walk forward as far as we can down those steps. Sometimes we can walk all the way, one, two, three. Sometimes it's going to stop at number one. Walk as far as you can. Forgiveness has to do with the past. Reconciliation has to do with the present. And trust has to do with the future. Walk as far as you can. Forgiveness takes one person, us. It takes one person. 
to forgive. And that mandate has been given to us to carry the heartbeat of Christ as he extended forgiveness then we are called to be people who extend forgiveness. And, and it's imperative, like it's, you know, and again, I'm, this could be a, a month-long series just here on what we're, what we're talking about. Because forgiveness can be so challenging. It can be so difficult, but we need to remember that it's so not optional. That as followers of Christ, we have a model in our Saviour who extended grace to us when we did not deserve grace. And that is how we are called to live, to extend grace and forgiveness to those who don't necessarily deserve it. Forgiveness frees us from the chains of the past. And so walk as far as you can. So take that first step. And maybe today someone needs to take that first step and there's someone that you need to forgive. And, and then if possible, we aim to take the second step into reconciliation. Reconciliation has to do with the present, but it takes two people to reconcile. It takes two people to admit where maybe they've both fallen short and to make the choice to to reconcile, and, and we are called to be ministers of reconciliation. We're called to be people who, who carry this heart to want to see humans unified on planet Earth. And so if possible, in a relationship, take that second step into reconciliation. And then the third step is trust. Just because we forgive, it doesn't mean we need to trust. Forgiveness and trust are very different things. And so trust has to do with the future, and it often involves a process of where trust has been broken, of determining whether it's right to actually place trust again in this place. And it often takes many voices around to inform and to help us to understand whether we should take that step into trust. And trust deals with the risk of something hurtful happening again. And so step as far as you can. Step into forgiveness. If possible, step into reconciliation. And where prudent and where wise counsel would agree, then step into a place of trust. Lord, we open our hearts again to you today. God, relationships are a gift from you, but they're so tricky at times. There can be the greatest ups and, and the greatest hurts. And so, Lord, the, the complexity of relationships, we just, we hold before you. Lord, and we invite you again into our heart, into our mind, into our past, our present, and our future. We pray that you would guide and lead, that your love would be made known. And that would be the basis for how we do relationships so that Jesus Christ would be glorified in your name. Amen. Amen. Truth bomb Tom. All right. Let's build the expectations. Well, hi, church. I'm going to be narrowing in on verse 21 of our Romans 12 passage, which is, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. Good 
versus evil. It is throughout history, humanity is obsessed with this central theme of good versus evil. And there's obviously a clear awareness in us as people in the world that there is evil and there is a deep desire in us as people for good. And it's so evident in our movies. I, I'm, a, I'm a film guy. My, my uni degree is in film. And so many of the classic films that we love are really built around this central theme of good versus evil. Like, for example, who loves Lord of the Rings? What's the new, what's the new show? The elves one? Rings of Power. Wow. Good versus evil. Rocky. Believe it or not, Rocky is good versus evil. Pretty much all Marvel movies are good versus evil, good guys versus bad guys. And, of course, the greatest saga of evil and good of all time is Star Wars. Star Wars. And Pastor Adrian's not even here today. Oh, that's like his thing. But, you know, light side versus dark side and Luke Skywalker overcoming the evil that his father succumbed. Sorry, the spoilers, but Darth Vader's his dad. <laughs> but there is an inner warring in us as people between good and evil. And unfortunately, as we talk about good and evil today, I don't think I can take on the entirety of good and evil in the world in 10 minutes. And so we are shrinking it down from a macro good and evil into a micro good and evil into our personal, individual and relational space and how that relates to us. And first off, I think it's important for us in reading this scripture in in terms of thinking about our relationships is identifying what is Paul actually uh, defining these things as good and evil? What are the words that he's actually using to define good and evil? Because we don't want to just project our own subjective understanding and often a Western understanding onto what good and evil really is, but we want to let the Word of God actually speak to us and meet us where we are so it can shape, shape and transform us. And so in preparing for this, I, I did some study. I whipped out, does anyone know what a concordance is and a lexicon and some online Bible commentaries? I went full Bible college. And here's what I found out. I won't be saying the Greek words in Greek because that's just not my skill set, but Pastor Ben would do it. He's, he's incredible. But the word evil is, uh, refers to the widest sense of intrinsic human sin, inner brokenness, selfish desires, and wickedness. And Paul uses this specific Greek word, um, to focus on the inner bad rather than the externalized evil of the word. There's another Greek word that is used through the passage to talk about a different type of evil. And the word good, I will, I will, I'll go there. I'll say it in Greek. And please don't shame me. On this. If anyone, does anyone speak Greek here? Because the word is agathos. Hell, agathos. And this word is almost always used in part in opposition to the word evil. And one commentary says, as to the believer... Agathos describes inherent good that originates from God and is empowered by Him in their life through faith. And so this scripture, Romans 12, 21, might be summed up for us to say that we are empowered by God through faith, not to be conquered by the sinful inner brokenness of humanity and the people we do life with, but to overcome that evil with God's unwavering and holy good. And there are two evils that we need to uh, overcome as followers of Jesus in our life to have to build and bolster these slightly better relationships. And so evil number one, can we say evil number one? And then look to the person next to you and say, we need to overcome the evil in each other. Whoa, the evil in each other. It's truth bomb time, guys. And if anyone else, is anyone else here have a toddler? Because if you have a toddler... Every day, we need to overcome the evil in our toddlers. 
<laughs> Not Leo, though. He's too cute. He's too cute. In our marriages, often our, our deep and inner, inner, inner brokenness is revealed in new depths to our spouse over the years as they go on. 55 years, there's some evil in there. I'm just kidding. I love you guys, wherever you are. Sorry. The deeper and closer a friendship becomes, often the more evident our selfish ways come across to each other. And ask anyone who's just started dating someone. When I started dating Michaela, the first you know, few months was just any, even if she did bad stuff, I was like, this is so quirky. I love it. It's who she is. But after a year, we've been married four years. Michaela is evil. No, she has. But I love her. And I'm, you know what? I'm much more evil. The intrinsic inner brokenness becomes much, much, much more real in our relational spaces. And in Romans 3, 22 to 24, talking about our righteousness by faith, Paul says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So praise God. Praise Jesus, despite our sin, despite our inner brokenness and our inner evil, despite our imperfection, Jesus came to meet us where we are, laid down his life so undeservingly to freely give us this life, this, res- this resurrection life, this redemption and salvation and righteousness in him to all who believe. It's, it's amazing. But the reality is that we didn't do the work for that, which I'm not suggesting that we should. I'm not suggesting that we live by striving. We live by faith, absolutely. But that Jesus has paid it completely for us. But that leaves us in a place where we are fully saved, fully redeemed, fully made whole in Christ, and yet still on a lifelong journey of God shaping our inner evil more and more into the likeness and goodness of Jesus. Does that make sense to everyone? Great. You are saved still, and you are broken and evil. Wow. We are all works in progress. That's the fact. We're all works in progress. And because of that factor, we have to deal with the falling shortness of others in our relationships with them. Whether that's in our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplace relationships with our boss or our colleagues, in our friendships, we're not called to be conquered. We're not called to be squashed or held captive to our challenges with other people's evil or wickedness or inner brokenness or falling shortness. But we need to let God's goodness work in us and shine through us to overcome it in our relationships. And so John 16.33, Jesus tells us, he says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In our relationships, we will have trouble, We do have to deal with the imperfections and the falling shortness of the people that we love and hold dear and do life with. But take heart, Jesus has overcome. Jesus is the goodness of God that has overcome the world. And we need daily realigning moments where we can take heart, where we can see him again. Because sometimes our our vision gets too fixated in our relationships on all the things that the people do wrong and all the ways that they offend us and hurt us. But we need to continually, day by day, have realigning, taking heart moments of seeing Jesus afresh and receiving his goodness, being filled with his hope again. See Jesus and be filled with his love and his empathy and his compassion again. See Jesus and be filled with resurrection life and victory over that evil again and be filled with his goodness. We need to see Jesus every day. 
so that His goodness can fill our minds and transform our hearts and change our attitudes and shape our inner evil into His uh, incredible good. And so when our kids are selfish and impatient, little jerks sometimes, when our friends aren't treating us with proper respect that we deserve, when our boss isn't acknowledging our hard work, when our husband comes home from work and then goes to the toilet for 45 minutes with his phone on full volume instead of looking after the kids. That was Michaela put that one in. I'm just kidding. I put that one in. Such a good husband. Let's not be controlled or squashed or conquered by that behavior or those attitudes of inner brokenness in other people. But let's continue as followers of Jesus to fix our eyes on him. Let's take a moment when we're faced with that evil to breathe and pray, to pause and pray, to to pray, to realign, to take heart, to actually pray this scripture and declare it for ourselves that, God, I'm not going to be overcome by this evil, by this brokenness, by their falling shortness, but Jesus, would you fill me and empower me with your love and goodness to overcome this evil with your good? That sounded more catchy in my head. It's quite long, but you pray whatever you want to pray from that scripture with your own words. Regular moments in our everyday of seeing Jesus again will fill us with faith and empower us with his goodness to help us love well in our relationships. And our relationships need Jesus at the center. But Jesus at the center relationships start with Jesus at the center of us. And so evil evil number two that we need to overcome is actually the evil in ourselves, the evil in us. And because just as all these other people that we judge in our relationships, have inner evil to address within themselves. We are evil. We have sin. We fall short of the glory of God. We have inner brokenness. And it's so much easier to project judgment on other people for what they do wrong and pull them down than to consider the inner brokenness in ourselves. But God calls us to recognize the evil in ourselves, our own brokenness, because we fall short of the glory of God. And we are saved by the same Jesus who loves us and redeems us. And so we can feel overcome by other people's evil, but how much more are we usually conquered by our own? How often am I extending my judgmental attitudes towards others instead of extending love and grace? How often does my banter become a vehicle for my bitterness, offense, or hurtfulness instead of encouraging and building others up? How often am I able to, as Pastor Ben said in the first week, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep with empathy and compassion instead of just thinking about all the things that we could be doing or how inconvenient it is that this person is having a tough time in the middle of my day? If we want slightly better relationships, the best place to start is not trying to change others. It's actually in opening up more space in us for God to move and change and transform us. Maybe it's coming, I I didn't mean to plug this, maybe we're coming to renew prayer, creating more time in us, more space in us for God to do His deep transformative work. And we need regular Psalm 139, 23 to 24 prayers. This scripture, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me in your way, God. We need prayers where we can surrender and give God permission to investigate in us and reveal things in us that maybe we didn't know about. And the truth is, God knows what's in our heart. 
God knows what's in your heart, but it's about us opening room for him to come in. It's giving surrender and openness to him. It's actually humbling ourselves before God so he can come in with full permission to investigate, to convict, to shape us, to cut off in us what needs to be cut off, to bring to light the offensive ways and maybe the anxious ways of thinking that we didn't even know about, to begin a process of healing and restoration in us and to uh, address the inner evil in our attitudes, our thoughts, and in our emotions. And so right now, to wrap this up, before we jump into the next part, Pastor Karen, it's going to be awesome. But I just want us to have a moment of opening our hearts to God, of having a moment of surrender together. And so right now, why don't you just posture yourself. We're going to pray. Just pray over everyone. Why don't you just close your eyes where you are. Maybe posture yourselves however you feel leads you to a greater place of surrender. Maybe it's just with your hands raised on your legs or something, or you, maybe you sit back and relax. Whatever you want. You know yourself. But let's pray. Lord, we pray, would you search us today? Would you help us to be people of surrender and openness to you? Would you help us to be people who could daily make slightly more room for you to do your deep transformative work in us? We invite you in to investigate our anxious thoughts, our selfish ways, our judgmental attitudes and our prideful ways. The intrinsic human sin and inner brokenness, selfish desire and inward wickedness in us. And God, would you help us to see the hidden evil in us that needs that deep renewing, cutting off transformational work. We want those slightly better relationships, Jesus, with you at the center. And so help lead us in your love, in the way that we see ourselves, in the way that we see others. Help us to grow more and more into your likeness and your goodness, Jesus. And help us daily to take heart, to see that you are good to not be overcome by evil, but to overcome that evil with good through faith. Fill us with your love again today, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, church. And welcome up, Pastor Karen. Thank you, Tom. How did he make that so funny when he shared with us about two weeks ago that this was the scripture that he wanted to speak about? I was like, you have that one. That's too tough. And yet I feel like I laughed through half of it. So thanks, Tom. Well, today I would love to finish our four-week series with Paul's statement from the first part of verse 9 in the New Living Translation. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And as we have learned over these past few weeks, this real love, this non-pretend love is up close and personal. It's like weeping with those who weep. It requires humility, ouch, laying aside our pride and our need to be right, to live in harmony with each other. This real love sometimes requires healthy biblical conflict that we may ultimately continue to live in peace with one another. This real love looks like forgiveness, reconciliation and trust. And it looks like overcoming our inner brokenness. And as rich and true and wonderful and real as this love sounds, and I want it to be real in my life, I want to love you with this love and I want to be loved with this love by you. My question honestly is how? How do I do this? Practically speaking, Did Paul realise that we would have jobs, full-time jobs? 
wives, evil wives. Sorry, Michaela. Tom, you started that. I'm going to keep rolling with it. Kids, family commitments, social commitments, sport. Did he realise how busy we would be? And personally speaking, I wrote this list about myself in literally one and a half seconds. How can I possibly do this? How can I possibly love you in this non-pretend real way when I am flawed, self-centred, constantly battling pride and I love my comfort and my space so very much? This love is time-consuming. We are a time-consuming bunch of people, friends. So what does this look like to me? All right, picture this. I've decided that every day from now on, I'm going to lift the heaviest weight I can. I'm just going to walk straight into the gym, find like the biggest, bulkiest weight, and I'm just going to lift it a few times over my head. And I'm going to do it every day because that's a good thing. It's healthy. It's good for me. It'll keep my muscles strong and formed as I head into my over 40s where they tend to go the other way if I don't do anything about it. So that's what I'm going to do. That can be a little bit like what these 13 verses sound like if we're doing it in our own strength, in our own efforts. So I don't have time to warm up. I don't need a stretch. I'm just going to hit these weights, walk in, do it, walk out. How do you think I'll go? How do you think I'll go on the first day? (laughs) What about in the second week or the second year? How am I going? I reckon I don't make it to the second day. I reckon that perhaps I've hurt myself, broken something, hurt my MCL, if that even exists, Ben Spitcher, Um, pulled something, hurt something, maybe so much so that I don't even go back the next day that it was too hard, that I give up. It seems so very unpleasant, too, too hard and it hurt too much. To me, deciding to lift heavy weights without the proper fuel in our muscles is like us trying to live out real love sustainably, key word sustainably, without the fuel, without the power we need to keep going. And I believe that Romans 5 verse 5 gives us a key to our fueling, to really sincerely loving each other sustainably. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. One of Holy Spirit's functions, one of my favourite, is that he fills us with love, with God's love. And we only know what love is because our God is love. And he showed us that love by Jesus giving his life for us. So it makes sense then that to be filled with this love is the only way that we can sustainably and really live this out because we are evil, aren't we, Michaela? I'm evil, you're evil, just us. Everyone else is good. So I'm just preaching to you today. (laughs) She's fine. She's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm used to this. So as we come to a close on this series today, 
I would love to equip us with three questions that we can ask Holy Spirit today, every day, about our general loving and about specific relationships in our lives. So you may want to close your eyes and prayerfully consider as I read these questions. The first one is pretty tough, I'm not going to lie. You have to be, you have to be all in for this one. It is, Holy Spirit, show me where I have been pretending. I think that's a tough one. Show me where I've been loving at my convenience. Show me where I've been loving outside of what you call me, how you call me to love. Show me where I've been pretending. Holy Spirit, show me how to change that. (laughs) Same question. Show me where I've been pretending and how do I change? What's out of alignment? Where or how am I not loving as you call me to? And the second one. Holy Spirit, help me to see people And love them as you do. People, we, we are not an inconvenience. People are not tasks or interruptions to my life. People are God's beloved creation, his masterpiece. So Holy Spirit, as you fill my heart with love, Help me to see and love people as you do. And the third and final question. Holy Spirit, show me how to love them. How to love that person and how to love, excuse me, your people. Holy Spirit, you know me, you know my limitations, you designed my heart, you designed others' hearts, so you know them. I trust you to show me how to love, how you want me to love. Show me what this person needs. How do I serve this person? What do I say? How can I be real and present with them? Hopefully, church, you can take these three questions with you. Not hopefully, you can and you will, actually. Over these past four weeks, we have read the word of God, we have preached messages, received incredible teaching and practical skills. We have resources available on our purpose circles on the website in foster family and friendships. We have everything we need. We have Holy Spirit filling us all the time, every day with God's love. We have everything we need 
to live slightly better relationships. So I encourage you, church, bless you in this as we put this into practice, as we love with real love, because we are not pretenders. We refuse to be pretenders. So thank you. Bless you. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.